0: Christmas tree is over, but it's still Christmas, and and we're in the middle of a Christmas series that we're calling Fear Not, and we're looking at the, the different places in the Christmas story where the angel comes to somebody and totally freaks them out, and the first thing that the angel says to them is, good, you've been paying attention, you've been paying attention. And so we've looked how the angel came to Mary and then to Joseph. And last week, Pastor Ryan talked about Zechariah. Well, this morning, we're going to look at what happened when the angels came to a bunch of shepherds. And when the first thing that the the angel said to the shepherd was, fear not. And we're going to talk this morning about the fear of what God thinks about me. Now, this is Christmas, and uh, if you've got kids, as we saw this morning, awesome group of kids, uh, they're probably pretty excited about Christmas. Um, have you noticed that? Kids get a little crazy about Christmas. Those of you that are our teachers, you are now on your Christmas break. God bless you. This last week has probably been a little bit crazy because kids are excited about Christmas. And, and uh, I related during the Christmas, singing Christmas tree uh, how when I was a kid, I, I loved Christmas. And of course, presents were a big thing and, and told the story of how I got bongos for Christmas. Uh, would you know that at the end of that production, I got not one, but two sets of bongos As a gift, uh, one from the choir and one from the cast. So thank you. I was going to play them this morning, but I realized I needed to practice a little bit. But uh, kids love presents. Uh, Kids love Christmas. And if you go to the mall to see Santa, if you do that thing, Santa is going to ask you two questions, right? If you're a kid, he's going to ask you, what do you want for Christmas? But he's also going to ask, have you been what?" Have you been good? Have you been a good little boy or a good little girl? Have you been naughty or nice? Because it's the good little boys and the good little girls that get presents. So a boy wrote a letter to Santa that said this Dear Santa, there are three boys living at my house. Jeffrey is two, David is four, and Kevin is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time, David is good some of the time, and Kevin is good all of the time. I am Kevin. So part of the Santa story is you've got to be good, right? And as parents and grandparents, we leverage that for all it's worth and and good on you, no problem with that. But I think sometimes kids are left wondering, have I been good? You know, what does Santa think about me? You know, is is, is this going to be, okay, where do I stand with Santa? And I guess in a few days we'll find out, right? Any lump of coal's going to happen this year? Now, as adults, we can smile and wink about what kids think about Santa. But for some of us, the question that nags our hearts and our minds, I don't think really is that different. Only it's not about what Santa thinks about us. It's what God thinks about us. And I'm very serious about this. Because the fear that many people have is really, you know, what does God think about me? Where do I stand with God? Am I good enough for God? If you believe in God, if you believe that there is more to life than this life, you know, if, if you believe that there's, there's, there's a hereafter, that there's something that happens to us when we die, there are those moments when things get Quiet, and we have those moments of reflection and just honesty. Many people have to ask themselves the question you know, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen next? What does God think about me? Am I good enough for God? Where do I stand with God? And a lot of people have this nagging fear that somehow they don't quite make it. I mean, on God's naughty or nice list, They probably slide more to the naughty. And it's not just a fear of being disappointed at Christmas, but it's a fear of being disappointed for eternity. And whether or not you're really sure if you believe in God or even if you've been following Jesus for years, many of us wrestle with this nagging sense of unworthiness or question what God really thinks about us that somehow we don't measure up, that our flaws, our our failings that we are so aware of (laughs) taint God's attitude towards us. So what does God think about me? Well, I think there's a part of the Christmas story that we're going to look at this morning that can really help us. In fact, it's one of the famous parts of the Christmas story, and if we really understand what's, what's going on in this particular vignette, I think it can be an absolute game changer when it comes to thinking about how God thinks about you. And so we've already read a portion of it this morning in our Advent moment. We go to Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, it says that night, and it's, it's talking about the night that Jesus was born. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, and suddenly something happened, something that was totally unexpected, something that was absolutely shocking. In fact, it says it was terrifying, because suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified, I love the way the, the New Living Translation puts it, because it wasn't just that they were startled. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, there's an angel. Look at that. No, it, it says that they, they were jaw dropped, knee knocked, freezing your tracks, absolutely terrified. And remember, these were guys that were used to being out in the fields at night. I mean, some of us, you get out away from the city lights and, and you're out kind of in the, in, the, in the wilderness or out away from everything and, and you're at night, you're out there by yourself. It can be a little, you know, it's, but these guys were used to that. This was their life. And yet this sudden encounter with the supernatural panicked them. I've always wondered what happened to the sheep in that moment. I mean, did the sheep even know what was going on? Or did they just freak out because the shepherds were freaking out? I don't know. But it says the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. Other translations say what? It says, fear not. The first word from the angel, don't be afraid, fear not, for I bring you good news. I bring you gospel that will bring great joy to all people. So, so what is this good news? What, what is the gospel? What's, what's this fuss all about? Well, it says the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Fear not. Good news. A Savior has been born. Now, this is such a, a familiar part of the, the Christmas story. And you know what? I gotta be honest with you. It's hard preaching at Christmas. It's hard coming up with a, a Christmas production every, because it's always kind of the same story. You know, your, your Christmas pageants, it's usually about babies and pregnant ladies and, you know, it just angels. I, you know, it's, there's, there's a routineness to this story. We know it. We know this story. And so you look at this story and the, the familiarity of it. Uh, is such that I think it's easy to miss the depth of what's really going on here. Uh, For example, back in the time when Jesus was born, the custom was to announce the birth of a baby. I mean, today you just take you know 20 zillion pictures and post them on Facebook, and everybody likes it and puts hearts and all that, that kind of stuff. Or, actually, what I've noticed now is that you don't post anything on Facebook. You know, the baby's born, and you, you stay off for, you know, like three days or, or three weeks, and everybody's like, like, what's happened? Like, like let us know. You don't have to, anyway, that, that's just, just an aside. But back in the day, back in Jesus' time, when a baby was born, if the family had any financial means, they would hire a herald to announce the birth of the child to the community. And herald wasn't the person's name. Okay? Herald is what the person did. They, they were an announcer of news. Like today, we often, uh, a newspaper is often called the Herald, right? Same thing, only this, these guys were like walking newspapers. So the family would hire a herald to announce the birth of a baby, especially if it was a firstborn, especially if it was a firstborn son. And hear ye, hear ye. Good news of great joy, a baby boy has been born to the family of Bartholomew, Joseph, whatever the family is. And The family would make a great big deal about it because especially the, the birth of a son was just the, it was a, a demonstration of God's favor, a symbol of God's blessing on the family. You know, the family name would continue on. It meant prosperity. For the family. It, it meant provision for the parents in their old age. So it was exciting. It was a big day. And the family would hire a herald to announce and celebrate the birth. And that's exactly what God does. I don't know how much He paid Harold the angel. Actually, again, the angel's name was not Harold. Hark the Herald, it's not singing about the Herald the Angel. It's, it's what the Herald was doing, right? Harold's the announcer. He sends an angel to announce the good news that a baby had been born. And friends, I think you need to understand that Father God was pretty excited. Heaven was pretty excited that Jesus had come, that God's plan of redemption had been set in motion in this shocking, most unfathomable way. A baby had been born. So God sends the the herald, the angel. But even more remarkable than an angel herald was who God sent this angelic herald to. Because God didn't send this angel to the city. Didn't send the, the, the angel to like Jerusalem or, or Caesarea or, or even Rome. You know, you think that the, the angel would go to the, the place of power, the, the place of influence, the, the places of authority. And actually, that's where the, the herald should have been sent. I mean, if you're in a small village, you don't need a herald. You just tell Aunt Bertha. And Aunt Bertha will let everybody know. Easy. But if your family's wealthy and important enough to hire a herald, you would send that herald to where the important people were. You would send that herald to to where the, the influential people were, the people of prominence. You'd send that angel to the city because that's where people were. But where does this angel go? to the fields, not to the wealthy, the, the powerful, the influential, but to some shepherds and a bunch of sheep. Well, of course it goes to the, the, the shepherds in the fields. I mean, every nativity scene seen got shepherds and sheep, right? I mean, I mean, that's where we're so used to thinking about that. But again, don't let your familiarity with the story make you miss the depth of what's going on here. Understand who the shepherds were. They were not important people. They were not people of prominence. In fact, they were not even respected or trusted. They were guys who spent their days in the lonely fields with a bunch of boring sheep. In fact, scholars say that shepherds spent most of their days watching sheep and telling jokes. What did one sheep say to the other sheep? After, ooh. (laughs) What did the little sheep say to the shepherd? I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Just so you know, I had nothing to do with the bad jokes in the singing Christmas tree. I know I had some people ask me, did you write those jokes? It's like, no. <laughs> I'm not the only person that tells about it. What did the business sheep, what was the business sheep's favorite newspaper? The Wall Street Journal. But seriously... Uh, Shepherds were not respected. I mean, there are some wonderful metaphors in Scripture about shepherds. You you go to Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. The New Testament, Jesus is described as the great shepherd of the sheep. So there's these wonderful metaphors of, of shepherds and sheep in Scripture. But culturally... At that time, shepherds were not respected people. I mean, if your family had sheep, it was the job of the youngest son or maybe the daughter to look after them. Or if your family had a slave, it was the slave's job to be the shepherd. And if you actually took a job as a shepherd, it wasn't a great gig. There was really no career path there for you. It meant you were probably uneducated or untrained, And it was hard, lonely work that was usually reserved for misfits. And you would spend your days and your weeks out wandering around, chasing the sheep all over the place. And you would probably smell like campfire. (laughs) No, you'd smell like sheep. I mean, we think lambs are all cute and cuddly, right? Have you ever been up close and personal with a lamb? I mean, unless they've they've, they've been to the lamb spa, they smell like sheep. And it was a dirty, lonely job that left you dirty and lonely and smelling like sheep. So shepherds were not respected. Shepherds were not trusted. In fact, shepherds had a reputation, a reputation for being light-fingered, in fact, one scholar said this, more regrettable was their unfortunate habit of confusing mine with thine as they moved about the country. <laughs> yeah, shepherds would show up and stuff would disappear. How does that happen? Now, there's no reason to think that loose shepherds were thieves, but the reality is you didn't trust shepherds in general. But here's the biggest issue of them all. Because of the nature of their work, shepherds were unable to keep the religious laws of their day, and they were really unqualified to participate in Jewish religious worship. In fact, one of the big rules of the day, of course, was you know keeping the Sabbath. Later on, Jesus had these run-ins with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law about the Sabbath. And you know, if you were going to be a spiritual person, you had to rest on the Sabbath. You could not do any work on the Sabbath. You couldn't take more than a thousand double steps on the Sabbath. You know, one, two, yeah, yeah, because that was work, right? And so how are, you going to, how are you going to chase sheep if you can only walk a thousand steps? You couldn't attend prayer at the synagogue because somebody had to look after the sheep. And then there were the rules about the ceremonial washing and and eating and rules about not touching dead things and on and on. You see, it wasn't just the the Ten Commandments as huge as those are. Uh, They lived in a society where spiritual people had to obey at least 613 laws. It was literally a full-time job if you're going to be spiritual. But somebody had to look after the sheep. And the work of a shepherd was just incompatible with all of the religious laws and stipulations of the day. It was a dirty job. In fact, if you even touched a shepherd, you would be considered spiritually unclean as well. So shepherds were automatically spiritually disqualified. They were on the outside looking in. Not only were they basically the, the bottom rung of society's ladder of success and respectability, but they were outside the fence of religious acceptability as well. Now we probably don't have any shepherds in the room today. Any shepherds in the room today? I know some of you have chickens. A few alpacas, I know. So what's the what's the what's the point of all of this for you and me? Well the reality is is that all of us probably have more in common with shepherds than we realize. And it's hopefully not the smell. I think most of us probably wrestle with feelings of inadequacy. Failure inferiority, we feel like we don't measure up, and sometimes this just gets accented at Christmas. I mean, ladies, you go to somebody's house for for a Christmas party, and her house is Pinterest perfect. You know, it smells like candles, the, the floor is clean, their kid's hair is brushed, you know, the christmas tree is perfect the decor is amazing then you walk back into your house and it smells like dirty socks you can't quite remember what your floors look like they're there you know you know the christmas tree is a charlie brown special and half the lights have gone out and the cat's knocked it over 17 times and it's just not good then you come to church on Sunday and you look around at everybody and everybody looks so good, so happy, so Christmassy. And yet you almost throttled your kid on the way to church this morning. You're driving and they're acting up in the back seat and you're like, stop that, cut that out. And it's a good thing your arm wasn't long enough because somebody would have got a hurt on, you know? It's just like, do you stop that? Be good, we're going to church to worship Jesus. You're going to smile and sing a Christmas concert. <laughs> and you walk in and you just like, oh, I blew that. You know, some of us just wish we could be with our kids or our parents. But for some reason, maybe you can't even understand, you know, your home's falling apart. Mom and dad have separated It's complicated, it's messy, it's hurtful, and you feel wounded, you feel confused. Maybe there's something going on in your life that's making it hard for you to even look in the mirror. There's secrets that you're trying hard to keep hidden, but you look at yourself and you know, and you know God knows. The anger and the disappointments And the sense of failure you feel about yourself is very real. And then on a day like this, you walk into church and you look around and you think, wow, I I don't know if I fit. I don't know if, if, if I belong here. I mean, look at all these happy, handsome people. They've got it all together. They look so good. Their their family is together. Their life is working. And I am so messed up. I mean, if they knew, if they really knew what was going on in my life. But the reality is, is that Not only do we not know what's going on in your life, most likely, but you probably don't know what's going on in the lives of the people that are around you. The person that's sitting down the row from you or in the section across from you. You're just not aware of the pain or the stress or the difficulties that they're walking through. Because, friends, this morning you need to understand that guaranteed you are not the only one wrestling with stuff this Christmas. Guaranteed you're not the only one trying to figure out how to have Christmas and still pay January's rent. You're not the only one with a family member that's struggling with mental health issues. Or maybe that person is, in fact, you. Guaranteed you're not the only one feeling so lonely and disappointed that you know another Christmas is here and you're still single or you're single again. Guaranteed you're not the only one wrestling with habits, wrestling with addictions that are threatening to spiral your life out of control. Guaranteed you're not the only one that's laying awake at night stressed because what's going on at work what's going on in your family see the reality is is that we don't know the depth of the story of the person next to us let alone the person across the room and the guaranteed reality is that you're not the only one with a story the guaranteed reality is that you're not the only one wrestling with inadequacy, failure, and inferiority. And even if that's not quite where you're at today, the guaranteed reality is, is that one day it probably will be. Because regardless of our family background, regardless of our, the status of our bank account or our education or our seeming success, the reality that life is messy. The reality is that life is is hard. And there's going to be moments where we all wrestle with that kind of stuff. And that's why we need to dive into the story of the shepherds. That's why we need to understand what Luke, through the details of this story, is really trying to tell us And help us understand. Because Luke gave this part of the story for a reason. Luke includes this story in his gospel, not just so that we can have another character in the Christmas drama, or be able to put sheep into our nativity scene. Luke shares this story to help us understand that when God sent his son, Jesus, into the world, the people that he really wanted to hear the good news first the people he really wanted to tell about the good news of great joy first, the people he really wanted to know that a Savior had been born were not the powerful, were not the cultural influencers, were not the religious elite, were not the famous, were not the important, were not the wealthy, were not the respected, were not the respectable. Now, God cares about those people too. Pastor Ryan preached a great message last week about Zechariah. You know, he was a righteous man. He was a priest. He he was godly. And he had an encounter with an angel while in the holy place of the temple burning incense. I mean, if anybody's going to have an encounter with an angel, it's Zechariah, right? He was righteous. He was a priest. He was in the temple. Talk about being in the right place at the right time. Something good is going to happen to you. And even he blew it, didn't he? But this time, the angel came to shepherds. Literally the last people that you would expect and reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Not just the powerful or the elite or the religious or the respectable But even shepherds, it smelled like a campfire. The Savior, yes, the Messiah of the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And God says, hey, this good news, this good news of great joy is for all people, even people, especially people who seem very ordinary, people who don't have it all together, people who don't have life all tied up with a fancy bow, but people who by the very humble nature of their lives often feel like they're on the outside looking in. That's who this good news is for. So Harold the, angel show, I'm, the angel Harold shows up in fields and gives them the news that the Savior has been born. And friends, if, if that isn't enough, suddenly it says the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God. I mean, can you imagine the sight? First, there's this one angel, all of a sudden, there's hundreds of them. Wow! Praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased? With whom God is pleased? That's kind of the question we're asking this morning, isn't it? With whom is God pleased? Is God pleased with me? What does God think about me well, friends, it really depends on one thing. How will you respond to the message of the angel? How will you respond? How will you accept? How will you receive the good news that the Savior has been born? And friends, not just a Savior in general, but a Savior in particular, your Savior, because it's one thing for a Savior to be born, but it's quite another to really believe, to really trust, to really put the weight of your life. Remember a few Sundays ago, we were talking about what it means to believe, that whosoever believes in him will not perish. And we have this stool up here, and it's about putting all of your weight everything that you are, everything that you trust, everything that you believe, putting it all on that. In a moment, we're going to pray together, and I don't know, maybe Robert, if you want to come to the piano, just play something. Uh, But if you're here this morning and you feel like, you know, maybe you just don't quite belong here, Maybe you feel like you're on the outside looking in, or you feel like the circumstances of your life, the decisions you've made, the hardships you've endured. You know, maybe all that kind of stuff has left you feeling less than. Well, you need to understand that the message of the angels is for all people. The message of the angel is for you, the good news that a Savior has been born. That news is especially for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're just checking out church. Uh, you know, Maybe you've mustered up the courage to come with a friend and you walk through those doors out there and you've sat down where you're sitting in that pew and, and you know what? It's good for you. I know that's a hard thing to do. But you're looking around and you're thinking, you know, I'm not sure that I fit. Everybody else looks so good. They all know what to do, they know the words of the song. You know, they look clean. <laughs> They look happy. You know, if people knew what was going on in my life, if they knew what I was wrestling with, if if they knew the stuff that I was involved with or have been involved, if they knew the doubts, the questions, the problems. Well, friend, you need to understand that the angel's message this morning is for you, the good news that a Savior has been born is for you and and you don't have to have it all together for the Jesus to, to save you. In fact, you and I need to understand that Jesus can only save us if we'll admit that we don't have it all together. He can only save us when we admit that we actually need a savior. And if you're in that place this morning It would be my honor to pray for you. In fact, let's pray together. Lord, this morning, I just want to thank you again that this good news of great joy, this good news that a Savior has been born is for all people. And Lord, for those in this room this morning that are inevitably wrestling with feelings of inadequacy and failure. Jesus, I just pray that you would speak to their hearts right now. Not just that we would know that you know, but that we would know that you know and you still care. You still love us. You're still there. You still accept us. And that the news to the shepherds is the news to us this morning. It's good news of great joy. A Savior has been born. A Savior has come to save us. And Jesus, I pray for those that are here this morning that need to receive your salvation that are admitting maybe for the first time that they need to put their trust in you that they need a savior or maybe they're admitting it for a hundredth time or a 500th time the good news is a savior has been born Jesus, do your work in our hearts and your lives. God, help us to know what it is to really put the weight of our life on you, to trust in you, to believe in you. And God, may this Christmas, may our hearts be filled afresh with joy because a Savior has been born. Such an old story, friends. Oh, but man, I tell you this morning, it's just so fresh. So real. Would you stand with me? And just as we close our service this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something that, uh, you know what, I didn't have this in my notes. I think the Holy Spirit just kind of dropped this in my heart. Uh, we're just going to close simply by asking you, would you just go to somebody next to you, somebody behind you, somebody that maybe you didn't come with this morning and just say, hey, it's good to have you here this morning to celebrate with me that a Savior has been born. Can you do that? Just go to somebody say, it's good to have you here. There's a place for you here.